That's the second Chronicles in the Old Testament. <clears throat> second Chronicles chapter 34. <clears throat> I've been looking over this, reading this chapter on and off, mostly off for some years. And uh, picked it up a lot lately here, recently. And I want to read verse 1 and 2 and then we will just go through it. And I've got seven short points. My outline is not any longer than any other outline. I just have more points. So, you can all breathe, as one preacher said. But I want to read Second Chronicles chapter 34. And I'll give you a little background here. So you've got King David. You've got David, and he had a son by the name of Solomon. And Solomon was the last king that presided over the United Kingdom. And after him, the kingdom split in two. You had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was made up <clears throat> out of ten tribes. And the southern kingdom... Uh, was called Judah, and it's made up out of two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And they worshipped uh, at the temple in Jerusalem. And the other northern, the northern kingdom, they worshipped at, uh, they set up two different places to worship out of convenience. And they began to worship Baal. And God was not pleased with them. And God came in and he after years and years, he raised up prophets and he raised up uh, uh, many, many prophets. And God, they did not repent. In fact, king after king after king after king, it said they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't have a single good king. Not one. Not one good king. And you know what God did to them? He had them removed from the land. And the southern two tribes, they would kind of go back and forth. They'd have one that did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and then they'd have that uh, one that did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, then they'd have one that would do that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, then they'd have two do evil in the eyes of the Lord, or three or something like that, and then one would do right in the eyes of the Lord. And used to have them memorized, I remember I was in college and my father preached the life of, of uh, uh, Samuel and the life of, of King Saul, the life of David, the life of, of uh, um, uh, Solomon. Then he went through the different lives of the kings. And I remember when they died, it was so sad. Especially the good ones. I mean, I literally was saddened when they died. But you know, when I read... In the Gospels, when Christ died, I never got sad. Because He liveth forevermore. I never got that sadness. But I want to read here 
if I were to title this, I would title this Heaven Sent Holy Spirit Revival. Heaven Sent Holy Spirit Revival. And I do genuinely hope we have a revival. When I was a kid, my parents and my oldest brother, and then Jesse was at one time, uh, he was saved and he was a member of this church before the Lord led my father to uh, leave and start a mission work out of another church. And they would have meetings and you would see people walk the aisle. And I guess I got in my head, that was a revival, you know. People would go down the center aisle and they would go forward at the end of the services. But nothing ever changed. And that's not revival. And we know that. We we know that. I came to know that. And so I want to read here and we'll look at this chapter as the Lord enables us. Verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old. And I marvel at that. Eight years old. No doubt he had counselors and men who helped him. But he was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. That means he was 39 years old when he died. Because he reigned until he died. So he was 8 and then he reigned 31 years. You add that together, you get 39. He died. He died younger than I am. He accomplished a great deal in his life. Verse 2, And he did that which was right, in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father. That doesn't mean that David was his direct father, but that means that David was in his fatherly line. David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And to go to the left or to the right would have been to go downward or to decline. And so... This here, this here would be a summation of his life, a, a just a, a summarization of what we might call his epitaph. And what an epitaph it would be. Amen. If you were to go out and, and to walk around a, a graveyard, a cemetery, whatever they call them, down here, if you were to go out and walk amongst them, And if you were to see this, verse 2, written on a tombstone, a graveyard, or on a headstone, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, that would be a great epitaph. And certainly we all ought to desire to do that which is right in the sight of God. Josiah was not without opposition, no doubt. He was not without the world, the flesh, or the devil. He was not without others who would come to him and say, well, we could be better off if we would do this, or we could be better off if we would do that. 
No doubt there were worldly wise men who would say, hey Josiah, why don't we do this? Or, hey, we could do this. It would be profitable for us to do these things. But he would not decline to the left or to the right. He remained steadfast in the ways of the Lord. Well, let us begin in verse 3. Our first point is that he sought the Lord. He sought God. And I believe that this is where revival must begin. I remember Brother Curtis Pugh, he told me that today's revivals that many people see or hear of and much like that false worship that was done some months ago, that Asbury false revival that they had and showed on the news and all those thousands of people flocking to whatever uh, university that was and that, that hoax of a revival that they had and all these people were saved and it just kept going on and on and on and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, anytime the world is amazed at something going on, rest assured that... God probably doesn't have anything to do with it. Because they're not going to marvel at God. But Brother Curtis Pugh said that today's so-called revivals are a working up of emotions. It's a model after the Pentecostalism. It's a, it's a whole bunch of emotionalism being worked up from within. But in days that are in the past, true revival took place by praying down from God revival that God worked within us. And it was done by, first of all, seeking the Lord. And in verse 3 it says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, imagine that, he began to reign. It says eight years old when he began to reign, and in the eighth year of his reign. So, far as I still remember, eight plus eight, that's sixteen. Sixteen years old. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. Sixteen years old, he began to seek the Lord. Now, he didn't go after the God of Ahab. You remember Ahab? That wicked man who married Delilah? Or uh, Jezebel, I mean. Do you remember how that he chased after her and the gods of the false deities? And you remember how he had all the idols of Baal set up? No, he sought the true God of Israel, Jehovah the Lord, who had delivered them and who had created the nation of Israel and had brought them salvation time and time and time again. He sought the true God of heaven and earth. Look over in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6. 
Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6. Here's the word of the Lord unto you that are lost. And you know it's the same. It is the need in the hour of today as it was then. It's the need in the hour as it was to Josiah's day as it is the need in the hour of of today for the Bible Baptist Church that we would seek the Lord. And if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we're going to have to seek the Lord. We're going to have to seek God. It's kind of like we said in our series on love. You can say all you want. You know what? I'm I'm really going to try hard today to to love the Lord. I'm really going to try really hard today to love my wife even as Christ loved the church. I'm really going to try today to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I I know I said that before, but today I really mean it. I'm just going to try harder. You put all the try you want to, it's never going to work. Because that love is spiritual. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of you or me. Not the fruit of you or me trying harder or harder or more hard. Or to use improper English, more harder. Isaiah 55 verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Why why did He say that? Because there's going to be a day when He can't be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Because there's going to be a day when He's not near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You see, he sought the God of David. How about 2 Chronicles chapter 15? 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Again, if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to seek the Lord. Seeking takes time, doesn't it? I asked the young people, we were, we had a Sunday school class on, and uh, I taught on searching the scriptures, and I said, you know, what's an example of, uh, of searching? You know, and, and we got to, we used the example of hide and seek. You know, and, and my kids, they'll play hide and seek in the house, and, and, uh, Nathaniel, he'll at first he'll he'll you know run up and down the hallway and he'll turn around and he'll go, I can't find him. 
I said, well, where'd you look? He said, well, I looked in the hallway. I said, well, maybe you ought to keep looking. Isn't that about the way we are sometimes? I mean, we don't really want to look, do we? We don't really want to seek. Horatio, he's not here. I'll pick on him. He puts ketchup on steak, chicken. It's a cardinal sin. We was out of ketchup. I said, did you look in the pantry out there? He goes, yeah, I looked all over. I went out there, moved one thing, and there was a bottle of ketchup. Brought it in, set it down in front of him. He goes, I looked all over. I goes, obviously not. He didn't seek. He didn't seek. I said, you must not love ketchup that much. Or else you would have found this. Look in 2 Corinthians 15, verse 2. It says, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, ye will, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. And I'll say that is applicable, that is a principle of Scripture, and that is applicable to sinners, to saved people, to churches, that if they will seek the Lord God, He will be found of you. He will be found. People say, oh, I'm seeking the Lord. You don't read your Bible? You don't go to church? Say, oh, I pray. But you really don't. You're not really seeking the Lord, are you? Because if you were, you'd be in the Scriptures and you'd be in His house. Amen. So you're not seeking the Lord. If you turn back to our text, secondly, we find not only did He seek the Lord, but He purged or cleansed the land. He purged or cleansed the land. Now, Josiah was king. So Josiah had the responsibility of all the land of Judah. I do not have the responsibility of all the land of the United States. That is not under my jurisdiction. I can pray to God for those in authority who do, but that is not under my jurisdiction. But in 2 Chronicles 34 verse 3 it says, 
For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, so in the twelfth year of his reign, so he's now twenty years old. Twenty years old. There are priests and prophets. There are people older than him who should know better in the land. But they're not doing better. They've been around longer than him. They've seen things more than him. But it says, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. Verse 4, And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on the high above them he cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Where do you think he got the idea to beat them into powder from? Sounds like what Moses did. Do you remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and Aaron had made the golden calf? And and God had told him to get down for Israel had sinned. And he came down and he, he, he beat, beat the, uh, he, he, he uh, uh, took the golden calf and he strewed upon the water after he had ground it into dust. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, that's one of the stories, you know, you kind of grow up in Sunday school hearing about it, isn't it? He sought the Lord. And now, having sought the Lord, he begins to purge or cleanse. And everyone who comes into contact with the Lord is going to purge or cleanse their life. Look over in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. This is a wonderful illustration and and teaching on the life and the cleansing. And you see here how that Isaiah comes into contact with the Lord Himself. And what we find here is Isaiah has a desire to be cleansed. It says here in Isaiah 6 and verse 1, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. 
And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so when he saw the Lord, what was he? He said, I'm unclean. And my people are unclean. Well, Josiah, when he sought the Lord, what's the next thing we read? He goes, why, we need to cleanse the land. Why they need to cleanse the land? Because they were unclean. They were an unclean people. Well, is this not what King Jesus does to his people? Is this not what the Lord Jesus Christ does with you and I whom He has saved? Does He not come? Is He not responsible for you and I? For those of us who are in His kingdom? Does He not cleanse every idol? I want you to observe here that the Bible tells us concerning Josiah in 2 Chronicles chapter Uh, 34, it says here that it was in the 12th year he began to purge Judah. And then if you'll notice in verse 8, it says, Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land. So it it took him, it didn't happen instantly, did it? Twelve years to eighteen years. Six years. I want you to see here that there's a process of time of purging out the land, isn't there? And isn't there a process of time of purging out you and I? And isn't it a constant thing? Is not God still purging and cleansing you and I whom He saved? Didn't he do that with David? Did not David say, Purge me with hyssop? There in Psalm 51. Well, but I'll tell you what. I think I've sinned. I, in fact, it's not a think. It's a, I know so. I've sinned more since the Lord saved me than before. You'll notice here we have a description given to us in verse 5 down through verse 7. And it tells us in verse 7 that he purged and he cut down all the idols. Verse 7, the last phrase, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel. There must not be a single idol left in your life. Not one. There must be nothing between you and your Savior. There must not be one thing that distracts you that as Jesus said unto Simon Peter there in John chapter 21, 
Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, lovest thou me more than these? There's going to come a day when that, that may be put to us. Christ must purge the whole being. Every morsel of leaven must be rooted out. Everything must be cleansed. There must not be a single grove left un, uh, left set up to any idol. No man, no preacher, no church, no doctrine must have a place above the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Josiah purged the whole land. Thirdly, in verses 8, I'd like you to notice they began to tend to the house of God. It says, Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azila, and Masai, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of jo- Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money, that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh, and Ephraim, and of all the remnant of Israel, and of all Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Even to the artificers and builders gave they it to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. And the overseers of them were Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites, to set it forward, and the other of the Levites, all that could skill of instruments of music. Also, they were over the bearers of burdens, and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service. And of the Levites, there were scribes and officers and porters. It's a shameful thing to read that the kings of, of Judah had destroyed the house of the Lord. But it wasn't the house that they had just destroyed. In verse 11 it says, and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. Do you know what they were going after? The foundation. 
Guess what happens if you destroy the foundation? Everything falls, doesn't it? It's like the psalmist said, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Well, we have some foundations. The foundations are our, our doctrines, our articles of faith, our, 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 what the scriptures teach. Those are our foundations. And the world and Satan, they are after them. And these began to tend to the house of God. They began to build it up. They began to shore it up. Well, ours is not the physical building, is it? Some are more concerned with the physical than they are with the spiritual. Our next generation needs to be taught the things of God. They need to be shored up in these things that are of God. They need them more than they'll ever need anything else in all the world. They need Christ and Him crucified, buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures more than anything else. That is because He's the chief cornerstone, isn't He? If they don't know that, and if they don't know Him as Savior, nothing else matters. But they began to tend to the house of God. They began to do the repairs that were needed on it. And then we find that they they began to read the Word of God. Verse 14. The Bible says that when they brought out the money that was brought, Into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and to the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, the first thing I want you to note is that the word of God was read. They read the word of God. They did not rest it or wrestle it. They didn't turn it. They didn't uh, bend it, delete it. They didn't add to it. They didn't take away from it. They didn't say, well, this is an old version. We need a new version of it. They didn't say, well, this is hard to understand. We need to update it. They just read it. Verse 18, and Shaphan read it before the king. That's all he did. He just read the word of God. And then I want you to notice what happened. Verse 19, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law. 
He didn't just hear them with his ears. He heard it in his heart, and he heard it in his spirit, and he heard it in his soul. God gave him ears to hear the Word of God. If you're here and you haven't heard the Word of God in that way, I pray one day you will. Because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that time and there's nothing like when God does it to you again when God says unto you, Thou art the man. Just like Nathan the prophet when he said that to David, but really it was the Spirit of God that said that unto David and he convicted him of it. He said, Thou art the man. And the king heard the word, and then I want you to notice what else happened. The king, the Bible tells us, it says he heard the words of the law, verse 19, that he rent his clothes. That is a sign of repentance. It's an outward sign. We don't rend our clothes anymore, do we? Verse 20, And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left of Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. He said, Our fathers haven't done it. You go inquire of the Lord. Verse 22 And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Tikvath, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they spake to her to that effect. And she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto the other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender as opposed to being hardened, and thou didst humble thyself, that's another thing. He heard the word, and he humbled himself, he had a tender heart, and he humbled himself, and he repented at the word of God. When thou heardest his words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbled thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. 
Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Well, I'll tell you. Can you imagine such? Can you imagine all the words of the law coming upon them? And if you, all you got to do is read Deuteronomy 28 and 29. Those are some horrendous chapters of what God said He would do to them. And then I want you to notice what the king does. Verse 29 and 30. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the, and the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of, of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. He read it all. So he rehearsed all the words of the law of God to them. And went over all of it. Verse 30, uh, 31, And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to their covenant of God, to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. So he made a covenant with God and he caused others to make a covenant with God. That was the next thing that caused revival. Oh, we've already got the Bible Baptist already has a covenant. We've already got one. We just need to do it. And then verse 33, last of all, and in closing this morning, and Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertain to the children of Israel. And made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. He took away all the abominations. He took away all the false gods, Chemosh, Moloch, Baal, Ashtaroth. He took away them all. And if you were in Israel, you were going to serve the Lord. If you were there, if you came into the country, oh, we're, we're just traveling through on our way to Egypt and, and it's our day to worship our God. Alright, give me your abominations and we're going to crush them down and you're going to worship Jehovah, the true God. Well, that's not very tolerant. Isn't that the word of, of our lifetime? To tolerate? And yet God is not tolerated, is He? 
This is the work that Josiah did, and this is the work that the Lord Jesus Christ does. He brings about all of these things. He causes us to tear down, to remove abominations, idols, things that ought not to be so in our hearts, our homes, our personal lives. Brings about fellowship again between us and Him. Sweet fellowship. Revival of things. Say, well, I've already got a relationship with Him. That's good. But what about fellowship with Him? What about a restoration of that? What about a returning of that? What about a greater fellowship than you've ever had before with Him? So we desire that the Lord, if He be pleased, He might grant such that He would give a heaven-sent Holy Spirit revival. So we pray that the Lord would do so. We want to stand... And